The message in song that you just heard is based on the experience Jacob had when he was running away from his brother who had promised, who had sworn that he will kill him. And there, in the middle of nowhere, laying his head on a rock, he had a dream that night, and God assured him that he would bless him and would bring him back to the land of his parents. Um, I was supposed to say that before the special music. And just wanted to share with you, I bless thee. It was the assurance God brought to Jacob when he was really desperate. And God bring him that comfort. Talking about wonderful surprises or good surprises. I am so happy to see my sister Evelyn Kwan almost fully recover. I guess 99.9 recover. That's according to her husband. He's a doctor. He knows when someone is okay. He told me, yes, she's doing great. She was down for a while. And I'm so glad to see her again in church like every one of you here today. And brethren, um, our message today has to do with the experience of God's children throughout history, even from day one. So whenever a new year begins... Look back. Look back to the Garden of Eden. Look back to what is God's original plan for you. And today we're going to do that again. We're going to look back in history as you heard from our scripture reading in this opportunity. But before we go there, I had something that is very dear to my heart that I need to share with you. You see, one year ago, when I first came to this church and was presented to this church, the first thing I did was to go downstairs to the children's division. And there, sitting in the room, were some of our children that are here today. I remember very clearly Faith, Maya. I remember Marion. Uh, her brother, Davy, was there too. And there was one more. Who was? I can't remember. But because I was able to memorize their names, they gave me... This star, I'm wearing the same tie I wore then. This star has not fallen down. And to make sure it didn't fall down, they put a tape on it. You see? How many of you remember when you were children going up in church and you memorized all the verses, you got a star? You remember that? I did. I remember in Cuba as a little kid, I got some of them. Then when we came to kindergarten, cradle roll, well, no, I was in primary in Madison, Tennessee. So it was there. Then went back to Costa Rica. And then I was growing up a little more. They didn't give us stars at that age. But I remember those good old days. And this is something I will always treasure from uh, the teens. Um, juniors and teens, they gave me this star. This star is going to stay for me, stay with me for as long as I can keep it. And I hope until we see Jesus come again. But I also had the opportunity again this morning to tour around the children's division today again. So I started with the juniors and teens. I also went to the primary. And uh, that's when the news were growing up about Hanet. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. Pray for me. And uh, she's going to be promoted to primary from the kindergarten cradle row to that soon. So 
went to the three groups there. First, with the, I went backwards, you know, over the older ones, then to primary, no, then to kindergarten, credit roll, and close at the other ones. That was great. Brought me great memories. I will always remember another thing too. When the nominating, nominations took place in this church, the first to be nominated were the children's division. And almost 29 years, well, a little bit more, 31 years by now in ministry, I had never had that opportunity. Well, that privilege, I should say. This was the first time. And for as long as the Lord allows me to continue serving Him, and I sit down in a nominating committee, children are going to be first. Amen? They are the most important component of God's kingdom. If not, ask Jesus. He sat some of them in the middle of the group, and He said, unless you become like one of them, He didn't say, unless you become like a good Sadducee, Pharisee. No. Unless you become like one of these little ones, you cannot enter the kingdom. Meaning what? My wife has witnessed, along with my daughter, how many times I've twisted the scriptures when I mess up in the table and turn a, a glass of milk or something. I said, I got to be like a little children. I said, no, that's not what the Bible says. So I couldn't get away with that. So we know what really means turn like a little children. That unchanging, unmovable trust on their parents that children have. When children, when they're small and they fear, they sense danger or fear, they will go immediately to whoever's closest to them, mom or dad. They feel secure there. That's what God is inviting us to do just now. And every moment of our life, as we begin this new year, I pray that as we go back in history, that we too will always remember, as we begin this new year, with all the challenges that will come with it, that like little children, we will put our trust in our amazing, loving God. Amen? Beloved, in every church there are self-appointed judges. Yeah, they're here today and every day. They are here to make sure that the good old message is presented. They keep pastors in check. Some sit to make sure that righteousness by faith is preached. Others sit down to make sure that righteousness by faith is not preached. Others sit to judge the speaker by some other standards. I wonder what would happen if we all come hungry and we all just study our Bibles during the sermons and we all want God to save us from the needs of our lives and the sins of our lives. That sort is what I think should happen, not only here today, but every day. The Lord has kept us together for one year and He will carry us through for as long in His plan. He has got it set for it. And I praise His name for His goodness, for His faithfulness. Now there's something that we need to be aware of and that's why we're going to be introduced today to our subject. And I'm quoting specifically from 
Manuscript 148, written in October 8th of 1899. Unless the revival of the Spirit of God shall come, talking about us, all their profession, all mine and your professions, will never make the members of the church Christians. Yes, this will not make us Christians or even Seventh-day Adventists. There are sinners in Zion who need to repent of sins that have been cherished as precious treasures. Until these sins are seen and thrust from the soul, until every faulty, unlovely treat of character is transformed by the Spirit's influence, God cannot manifest Himself in power. There is more hope for the open sinner than for the professedly righteous who are not pure, holy, and undefiled. Can you see now why there's more joy in heaven when one repents than 99 of us here? Yes. There are many professed Christians who, if they should express their real feelings, would say, what need is there of speaking so plainly? And I will speak plainly today. But with love, not in judgment. Otherwise, I will be denying Jesus. Those, they might as well ask, why need John the Baptist have said to the Pharisees, O generation of vipers, who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Luke 3 verse 7. Why need he have provoked the anger of Herodias by telling Herod that it was unlawful for him to live with his brother's wife? The forerunner of Christ, remember John the Baptist, lost his life by his plain speaking. Nothing wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. It was his talking. Yes. The forerunner of Christ lost his life by his plain speaking. Why could he not have moved along without incurring the displeasure of those who were living in sin? Beloved, a new year begins, we have mentioned. Happy New Year, by the way. I'm so glad you made it. I'm so glad the Lord kept us together here. But I want to invite you today to go back in history to a place called Mount Carmel. This is a view. It's from Google. I could not uh, pick up from the my piles. I have still haven't packed everything from our move. So my pictures when we went there in 2005, couldn't find them, so I had to Google it. Yes, truly Mount Carmel is a high place. From the top of it, you can see all the way as far as to the sea, the Mediterranean. You can see, 
you know, also part of the Dead Sea. It's a high mountain out there. And that's exactly the place from our scriptures where you heard that Elijah told King Ahab, gather all Israel and come up to Mount Carmel. Now, when you go to Mount Carmel, I still remember, I can't forget that day, when our tour guide said, hurry up everyone, tomorrow we got to get up, get up very early because there's going to be 5,000 tourists come behind us. When they all come at once, we can't move so quickly. So we were all ready. We went up there, and the next thing, the most impressive thing I saw at Mount Carmel was an interesting statue, which is going to be our next slide. Now, how many of you can see at the bottom left a shield? What does that bring to your memories? The Crusaders. This statue was made in the uh, in the eleventh, the tenth and eleventh uh, century of our era, when the Crusaders were come from Europe to liberate the land of Jerusalem, the holy city. So they they left their signature there with that shield. You can see the cross, but there it is, Elijah. And if you look carefully, his left foot. You know where it is. Yeah, some some of those prophets. How many prophets did you count while Dave was reading for us the scripture reading? 850. You were paying attention. 850 prophets of Baal and Astarteth were there. And as you can see in his right arm, he was on a mission, right? Remember what the mission was? Okay, heads were rolling. Heads were rolling that day. What can we learn from that history? I want to propose to you this morning that we look at four valuable lessons that we can learn from that experience as we begin this new year. Four spiritual lessons from the past that come to mind as we review together history because those who ignore history are condemned to repeat it. And Satan, like then, was very busy. He knew then, as he knows now, of ways to keep you, to keep me distracted, and anything else except whatever can keep us away from God. And so, my friends, I invite you to turn to your Bibles and open there in 1 Kings chapter 18. And we're going to learn, we're going to read there, verse 17. Now, everybody has been summoned, everyone is there at Mount Carmel. And while they're there, you remember the challenge that Elijah said to them, Beloved, today you need to make up your minds. How long will you be vaguing? How much will be running? How long will it take you to make up your minds between two opinions? If God is God, follow Him. If Baal, well then worship Him. Verse 17. It's interesting what it says there. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? Prior to the encounter, prior to this occasion that we have just described, Elijah met with the servant of Ahab and told him, 
Go tell I have that. I'm here. You read the stories right there. Obadiah. And he said, I cannot believe you're telling me to go to tell him that you're here. There's no land that he has not made their king sworn if they have seen you or not. And you tell me to go to him. And then when I go him and we come back, the spirit of God will take you and I will find you. And guess what's going to happen to me? I'm going to die. And so when he said, don't worry about it. I will be there. Tell him to come. We need to talk. So Ahab comes. And when they meet, the first words that come out of the mouth of Ahab, are you the one troubling Israel? My friends, the first lesson we need to know and to be aware of and get vaccinated with the work of God because it'll affect you, it'll affect me. I've seen it even happen in our churches wherever I go. What happens is, beloved, your vision gets twisted and you think backwards. You see? According to Ahab, Elijah was the one troubling Israel. But notice the answer of Elijah to him right there in verse 18. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have. Beloved, never ever fall for this trap in your journey. When sin takes over the life of anyone, my life and your life, vision is going to get very blurry. Things are going to go in the wrong places. What is good is going to be called bad. And what is bad is going to be called good. And that's one of the first effects that we need to be aware of. Today, equally, Satan is working very hard to twist our vision. And we need to look back and learn, be gathered together as we come to his house to let his word speak to our hearts, not to let our vision to be twisted. Because if we don't watch it, Satan will do just that. He will turn us around to each other. Good will be called evil. Evil will be called good. And Elijah right there, first thing, fires back and says, No, it is you in your house, your father's house, who have abandoned God. My friends, we need to be in guard. Number two, lesson number two, it's right there, part of verse 18 as well. Let's continue the reading in verse 18. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have. So what is the problem? How have you troubled Israel in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals? Brethren, I cannot imagine any one of you deliberately intentionally, well-planned, saying, Lord, we're abandoning you now. We're done with you. We're not coming to church anymore. We had enough of Pastor Anchetta. He's out. We're not coming back. The only reason what I could think anyone will go that direction with God, with His people, is that the vision got twisted. It's the only reason 
that could happen. In this occasion, in this opportunity, God's people, Satan had succeeded. He had abandoned them. Remember how many prophets presented themselves that day there? 850. We don't know the numbers how many Jezebel had killed from the prophets of God. We know from the record there in 1 Kings chapter 18 that at least a hundred of them in two groups of 50 by this man were hidden in two separate caves. Obadiah took bread and water to them, kept them alive. Otherwise, Jezebel would have slain them as well. Same way. Same thing is happening today all around our world. People are not only abandoning God's commandment. They're not fearing God. They're not turning back to His Word. My friends, if there was a time to start reading your Bible, guess what? Right now, today. If you got behind the first and the second, today is only the third, right? Would that be hard to catch up this afternoon? No. I am so happy when I visit some of you, you tell me, Pastor, you know what? I love to read the Bible. Every year, I read my Bible all the way through. I've heard that from some of you. I don't want to mention your names. I don't want to embarrass you or blush you here. But I know you by name. Some of you have shared. Now, that has not been the case of the majority of us. So I want to, I want to, my sister, Brother Ben is right here. Okay. Just connecting dots here, so don't worry, we're good. These are dear relatives. And uh, just wanted to mention, brethren, that I am, I'll never forget. I've read it in other books, but before I read it, I remember one camp meeting in Orlando, Florida, there at Forest Lake Academy, there in the gym, when it was mentioned that H.M.S. Richards read his Bible every year in the month of February, which is the shortest month of the month of the year. February. He didn't pick the longest, the 31 days ones. He picked February to read his Bible. And then after he read during that month his whole Bible, then he will continue reading it again for the second time. For the rest of the year, I want to encourage you today. If you want to be aware, if you want to be on guard so that your vision will never be twisted, go back to the Word of God. Yes, I was sharing with some friends earlier this morning that if you would go to um, the Catskill Mountains in New York State, there are many camps in most of those camps, at least the ones that I saw, interestingly enough, you would see a lot of Jewish families. Basically, it was all males. Adult males and younger males. Little boys. And I asked my niece on my wife's side, what are they doing here? They're not like playing, camping, you know, playing games. They're here because they're learning the Torah. They're learning the first five books of the Bible. Before they're 12, they can recite the first five books of the Bible. 
You want to make sure your children stay faithful to the Lord? It's not about faithful to the church. It's faithful to the Lord of the church. That's our allegiance. Who our allegiance should be with. Bring him back to the word of God. Lesson number three. It's right there in 1 King chapter 18. Well, you see, we've learned so far that we need to avoid the twisted vision. We need to avoid forsaking the commandments, the word of the Lord. We need to stay on it. It's now the good opportunity to be in it. Now, the work continues to grow. You are familiar with the story and go with me to verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, by this time, according to the story, they had all the morning, noon, and they were getting close to three o'clock, more or less, according to the sun watch. You know, when you go like this with the shade of the sun, you know, it's getting close to three o'clock. And he said, enough, enough. You don't have to scream, jump anymore, or even cut yourself any longer. Perhaps because of the holiday, Baal, Baal can't hear you. And friends, he invites everyone. Elijah said to all the people in verse 38, Come near to me. I imagine the look on the faces of people. Come, what is he going to do now? Come near to me. So all the people came near to him. And he, the prophet of God, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down in ruins. My dear friends, many family altars are in ruins, are broken down. The time of reformation, of restoration, the time of getting our acts together before the Lord is right now. Actually, it was yesterday and the day before yesterday. But it's not too late. It's not too late. The Lord is calling me. The Lord is calling you. Let's repair the family altars at home. Fathers at home, take your pastoral robes, ties, whatever you want to call it, and call your families together. Built up the altar. Sing together to Jesus. Old hymns, new hymns, contemporary. It doesn't matter. Sing to the Lord. Read His Word. And you will see the power of the Holy Spirit in your lives. You will see unity in the home. You will see not only unity, you will see the love of heaven. Remember the song? There is love when God is at home. Build up the altars. Restore them. That's the call. That's the message of the Lord. It's very simple. Just look back. And you will see how God is calling us, families, husband, wives, pray together. Yes. Finally, when we have considered lesson number three, that their altars, some altars are broken, not all. Like Elijah thought he was the only one left. And the Lord said to him, 7,000. Knees have not bowed yet to Baal. He thought he was left alone. God said, no. And I know there are homes who have their altars shining, working. 
and active. And the most beautiful part of our meditation today is our fourth lesson. All the credit, all the praise goes only to our marvelous God. Turn there to verse 36 and 37. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. And I am your servant. And that I have done all these things at your word. I'm so glad he didn't claim any credit. He gave it all to the Lord. Hear me, O Lord. Verse 37. Hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God. And that you have turned their hearts back to you. And notice the last word. Again. Again. God has not given up on you. Nor on me. He is the one turning us back to him. Through his Holy Spirit. Through the prophet Hosea. With ropes of love. He's bringing us back to him. If we want to see God's power being manifested in our midst. Lord. Our Lord is inviting us to come back to Him. Learn that lesson that yes, that your people, you and I, may know that you turn our hearts back to you again. That's what He's calling us to do. My friends, as we close our thoughts this morning, I pray that you will keep in your minds that God answer the prayer of his servant. And it is your privilege, and it is my privilege today to respond to God's call that we will know that it is you, O Lord, who have turned our hearts back to you again. If the Lord is speaking to your heart today. If the Lord is inviting you through His Holy Spirit, through His still soft voice to recommit to His cause and to His kingdom, I invite you to stand. Precious Father, it's all because of you. You brought us here again. You're working on our vision. Like in the times of old, you send messenger after messenger. Some were killed, ridiculed, tortured, cut in half. This world was not worth of their lives. And as we read their lives, their story, their journeys in Hebrews chapter 11... Lord, you're inviting us. What are we going to do? What's the legacy? What it's going to be like? Lord, I pray that those who will come behind us will find us faithful. 
I lift up before you the family you've given me a joy to be part of. Xiomara, Alina, and every one of the extended family standing in your presence right here, right now. Lord, there are children from this church that are not here today. And there could be even that are here, but are not really here. It doesn't matter. It is you who brings us back. But before any of those childs can come back, they need to see Jesus in me and in every one of us. And we don't produce that. It's only through the daily baptism of your Holy Spirit that Jesus can come and live his life in us and through us. Stop us. We choose to stop pretending so that genuine, transformed by your grace, lives will attract not only those children that are hurting, that want to come back but don't know how. Turn every one of us here today in messengers like Elijah to call, to give the final call before the great day of the Lord of restoring back relationships between fathers and children, children's and fathers and parents because the Lord is soon to come. Lord, we humbly and meekly turn to you to renew right at the first Sabbath of this year our commitment to you and to your kingdom's cause. In the name of the leader, of the general, the captain of the mighty arms of Israel, the greatest name in the whole universe, the name of Jesus, we all pray and say, Amen.